I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I have eight random questions here, and whatever I roll for you, that's where we start. Okay. I'm excited about this question because it was a question that was just pitched to me recently. We're calling it work-life balance, and it was suggested by a recent Collider Forces guest. Can you name something that you like to do that helps you maintain a good work-life balance? I mean, like, I feel like it's almost something that I'm still figuring out how to get the perfect balance. Like, it's really hard, especially, you know, if you're like the lead of a project and you're in every day. Um, But I recently started learning guitar because I was like, I feel like I need a hobby, like something that's like creative, but like outside of work. And so I feel like guitar's my, that's kind of like, yeah my thing at the moment. I'm impressed. I keep thinking about that myself. I used to play saxophone as a kid and I'm like, I don't know, I need need a hobby. Maybe I should pick it back up. But I feel like now that I live in an apartment building, I would annoy my neighbors. No, this is always me. Like I'm in my hotel room and I'm like, oh my God, I'm being so loud. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm constantly in fear that I'm making someone around me annoyed. All right, got your second roll in the tower here. Can you tell me your absolute favorite part of the acting process, whether it is rehearsing, hitting the set for the first time? And then I want not necessarily your least favorite part, but a part of the process where you see room to grow for yourself and you're excited to tackle that. Ooh. Okay, I'm gonna start with least favorite. I think least favorite is like first day on set. Like it's all, cause it's awful. It's like, you like, you don't really know what you're doing. You're still like figuring out everything. It's it's like the first time you, you're meeting like your whole crew and cast a lot of the time. Um, and so I, I mean, I always find it so nerve wracking and I feel like my first day is always like the worst work of the entire job. Cause I'm just like, what's going on? Um, and then favorite part, ooh. I mean, I always, cause I'm like theater trained, like I went to drama school. So I think probably rehearsing, I really, really enjoy that. And I think it's like, it's like a really nice kind of icebreaker 
and like nice to kind of delve into a project with your kind of cast and director. And you, you know, you're like finding things in that process and yeah. Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna squeeze in a question that I'm not rolling for you because I'm okay. assuming I'm assuming the dog barking is happening in the space you're in. It's like there is a dog literally like right next to where I am. <laughs> is it is it your dog? No, because I'm in I'm in London at the moment. <laughs> Do you have any pets? I I don't have any pets, but my mom has four cats. Um, which is insane because I'm allergic to cats. So every time I go to her house, I'm truly dying. <laughs> I'm allergic to cats, but I have a cat and I just suffer. L that was me, all of high school, literally <laughs> suffering. And my mom was like, no, you're not allergic. I'm like, I think I am. <laughs> I understand that all too well. I'll, I'll toss this question to you anyway. It's your mom's cats, but can you tell me anything that you've done that you would deem like going above and beyond for a pet that you love? Oh my God, going above and beyond for a pet that I love. Oh my gosh. I don't know, like probably like, you know what, one of my mom's cats when I was in second year drama school, like he, this guy, this guy hates me. And I don't know why, he just like hates my guts for no reason. I like one time he like came up to me and he was like being all cutesy and I was like, wow, we're bonding. And he literally scratched my eyeball, <gasps> like my actual eyeball. Oh. And then like I had to go to the hospital and I came home and he was like lying on my bed. And that guy never goes in my room because he doesn't like me. And it was so evil. But you know what, we still like, I've still maintained a relationship with him. And I feel like after that, <laughs> That's a lot. I had to go to the first day of drama school with an eye patch on. Like, it was so embarrassing. This is my worst nightmare. I feel like <laughs> the only equivalent I can think of like that is when I was living with my sister and we had a cat. The cat, I think the cat liked me better because he, he like, he took a shit on her bed and was just like, this is for you. And now I'm going back to her. So have fun You're with like that. <laughs> like, but it's an, an eye scratch. I'm like, not going to stop thinking about that now. That is horrific. I am glad you survived. And there was still like a connection that was maintained between you and this cat. <laughs> All right. With that, I have your final roll in the tower. Okay. Oh, I broke. No. <laughs> All right, we're ending with a two. Thankfully, it snaps back together. All right, number two is my talk to me question. I'm happy we got this. Okay, I'm sure you've been asked a million times if you would ever use the hand. Let's mm -hmm. say you had to use the hand. You had absolutely no choice. I want to know which member of the talk to me cast you would most trust looking out for you. Who would you trust to make sure you were disconnected by 90 seconds? <laughs> it would definitely not be Daniel <laughs> Michael. Um, <laughs> um, probably Zoe. Probably Zoe Tarakas because like they are just solid. They're just like, you know, solid person in the team. What's up, everyone? Welcome back for a new edition of Collider Ladies Night, an edition of Collider Ladies Night that I have been waiting to have for a year now. Sophie Wilde, star of Talk To Me. I am so happy for the whole team, and I'm happy for you as an individual, too, because a Rising Star Award nomination at the BAFTAs is 
is a big <laughs> deal, a big deal, very well deserved. Congratulations. Oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you so much. It's, yeah, so surreal. I, I feel like I'm like, what's going on? What was the first movie you saw, performance you saw, personal experience you had, you name it, that made you say to yourself, I have to be an actor? Um, so when I was a kid, I had this like VHS box set of Audrey Hepburn films. And I watched Roman Holiday and that like final scene with her and Gregory Peck where they're like looking at each other. And I was like, that's what I want to do. That makes so Audrey, my queen. Do you, do you still have that box set? I actually, you know what? I should ask my grandparents. But you know, my my grandpa had some like went through some crazy tech phase where he like just went hardcore on the CDs. So, I mean, as someone who's constantly encouraging her parents to digitize things, I kind of respect <laughs> that. All right, so you identify the dream. I have two questions about what comes next. One leaning into the craft itself, and then another that's more on the business side of things. I'll start with the craft question. So I uh, I, I actually read somewhere that you said that you kind of instantly knew that you thrived in this kind of scenario in, mm -hmm. in, in acting in general. So do you remember the very first time you felt that when you were giving a performance and like something just clicked and you got that like magical feeling that convinced you like, I am here, I am in the right spot? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. I mean, cause I started doing like drama classes, like acting classes kind of when I was like five, so super young. Um, so it was probably, probably one of those classes really, but I do, I remember, the first kind of like play I did, um, which was a Midsummer Night's Dream. And I played Mustard Seed, like I literally had one line. Um, <laughs> and I think I, was, I would have been like seven maybe. And I, I think that was like the first time I was like, wow, like this is incredible. <laughs> and I remember that production so vividly. Like it was, I still have the, I still have like the little, um, uh, what are those things called? Where like they hand out before like a concert. Oh, like a, a playbill? Yeah, I still have like my little one and I'm on the cover of it. <laughs> Don't know why, considering I had one line. <laughs> I love that so much. I'm, I save everything. So I love yeah, when people say sentimental things <laughs> like that. Okay, so that's craft side, business side now, a, a big two-part question. So mm -hmm. after you first identified the dream to become a professional actor at the time, what did you think was step one to making that dream a reality? And now having done it, would you recommend that as a first step to another aspiring actor? Or did you find something more effective along the way? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. I mean, I actually, I think, again, probably because I had gone to, to NIDA to do um, the short courses. I think I was always like, you go to drama school. Like that's step number one is you go to drama school, you go to NIDA. I almost feel like I was brainwashed a little bit. Uh, but, but it was like, you go to NIDA and then you're just an actor. Um, so I'd say, I mean, that's what I ended up doing. So it wasn't necessarily wrong. No, I mean, I, I always love talking about that. The idea that, I mean, every single path is different. And for some people mm. studying in a, a school setting is what they need. And for others, it's not. So to kind of lean into that a little, what is something you learned while studying at NIDA that you still find yourself using frequently today? But then I also want to know something that all the schooling in the world never would have prepared you for when you hit your first professional set. 
I think like drama school kind of taught me a lot about resilience. And I remember like the first day going to like orientation and they were like, resilience, resilience, resilience. And, um, and I think it's, that's something that I've, I've really been grateful to have learned in a way like this job is kind of demanding at times and, and requires so much of yourself that, um, yeah, I think probably resilience. And then, um, what was the second part of the question? <laughs> So resilience is what you learned, something that um, all the schooling in the world never could have prepared you for when you hit your first set. Probably just like the pandemonium, like being on set is it's absolute chaos. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think you imagine it to be like this really well run, well oiled machine. And sometimes it can be like that. But I'd say the bulk of the time it's it is truly just absolute chaos. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right. With that, we are turning to talk to me. You, you well know I'm obsessed. I will warn you, I have a lot of obnoxiously specific questions about this movie. First, I want to start with uh, with signing on and specifically when it comes to signing on to Dania Michaels first feature, because obviously now the world knows how incredibly talented they are. But this was their first movie. So can you tell me something about the first impression that they made on you that signaled to you, I will be in good hands with them? I mean, I think it was interesting, like before I got sent the script, because I got sent the script kind of later on in the audition process. Um, but I knew that Causeway was producing it. Mm. And I've like, it's honestly been a dream of mine since I was like 19 to work with Causeway. Like I, I just think they're so incredible and they've made such amazing films. So I really kind of was already quite keen because of them and, and you know, knew they had such excellent taste. So I was like, obviously this is going to be awesome. And then kind of like later in the audition process, got sent the script, read the script, read the final scene. And I was like, I have to be in this. Like, <laughs> Please let me be in this. Um, so yeah, that was kind of it. I love that Causeway made that impression on you. I do, I do follow-ups about you not getting the script during the audition process. What scenes did you audition with? And what did you think you were auditioning for? I mean, I knew it was like a horror film, but you know, they always just give like a kind of brief synopsis. So it was like, yeah, like group of teenagers, like doing something with like a hand. And I was like, okay. But I initially auditioned for Haley, <gasps> um, which is really interesting. That is. <laughs> and it was, it was the possession scene. It was the first possession scene. And it was one of those auditions where you're like, why would you send this as an audition? Cause it was like a lot of action, like, 
20 different people um so I remember I like I remember doing the audition and my friend who was helping me with it was like what is this I was like I have no idea um so yeah that was kind of it was like Haley initially then didn't hear back for like months because I think that they had to pause because of COVID um and then they came back around they were like do you want to audition for Mia and it was the scene with Riley like after the first possession Mm. and and it was another scene with Riley which didn't end up making the final cut in the film but it was like pre-chandelier we had like this big chat in the car pre-chandelier and it was that I love that I love the scenes that you two share together so eventually you get the the full script what would you say were some of your biggest burning questions for Danny and Michael about what like about how the hand operates and maybe also about what Mia's headspace is and how it will affect how she interacts with the hand mm. yeah I mean it was great like we had such a like beautiful rehearsal process like we had like a really solid rehearsal process which you don't I mean, I feel like you don't often get. And so it was great. Like we came into that first session, um, Danny, Michael and I, and we just went through the whole script and they just like were so specific about like a lot of things, but also like, I don't know. I feel like there was a level of ambiguity. Like I feel like there are still things that I don't entirely understand. I have a feeling I'm going to ask you about one or two of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you one of those questions right now, actually. And, you know, I, I don't know if you've thought this through or have a specific example, but one thing that I wondered about, had had Mia not gone over time during that first possession, how do you think her journey might have changed? That is such a good question. I have never even thought of that. I've never even made that connection. <laughs> Because she does go over. Oh my god! Like that, <laughs> I'm learning something new about the character. <laughs> I have watched your movie too. I'll fully admit, I have watched your movie too many times, and my thought is that just gave that particular entity a stronger hold on her. But the the I love how I'm like here are all my theories for you now. But my thought is that if more people in her friend group were interested in using the hand, she would have used it again eventually. And I think the evil entities on the other side would have known her vulnerabilities and the same thing would have happened eventually. Mm, mm, mm. I, I, you know what? I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree with that. <laughs> I've spent too much time watching your movie and discussing it with many people. Okay. Let's get into the filming process now. Going into production, which scene did you think would be the most challenging one to pull off? And then ultimately, was that really the toughest of the bunch or did a different one catch you by surprise? Probably the possession scenes. Like I knew that that was going to require like, oh, I don't know though. Like this is such a big role. Like there's so many different things. Um, And there's so many like, um, you know what, probably... I guess like in terms of like emotion, emotional like reach and having to kind of go like to a certain d- degree or level, probably the the scene with her dad where she finds out that her mom committed suicide. Um, you know, I think when you have something that requires such emotional depth, there's always a bit of anxiety of like, am I going to get there? Like, you know, I'm going to have to kind of 
dig deep to to really bring that to life. So that was sort of sort of something that was was a bit anxiety inducing. Um and and similarly like the possession teams definitely, you know, they definitely required like a lot. And probably ultimately those possession scenes were the hardest. They they look exhausting to me. Every single time I watch the first one and you're shouting run over and over, I'm like, is that all in one take? Do you have to say all those runs at once? I feel like I need a nap on your behalf. <laughs> it was full on. Like we shot, we, I think we shot that over two days and we were in this tiny little like room and it was summer. So it was like 40 degrees. It was so hot. And I had that that orange sweater on, which was boiling. <laughs> and they literally just like tied me to this chair. And I just sat in this chair for like 16 hours. <laughs> Here's another thing I was wondering. I don't know if you ever spoke to the, the costume designer about this, but was there any significance to that color? Because it's, I mean, it's very memorable. She has it on in that scene and then in a later scene as well. And it's just so distinct. No, yellow, yellow was definitely kind of a... Um, you know, motif throughout it and definitely like a something that they consciously thought of. It pops so nicely in all those visuals. I love it. I have to talk about your co-stars here because you're right smack in the middle of a phenomenal ensemble. And, you know, I have a feeling there could be many answers to this question, but can you give us an example of a time on set when a scene partner gave you just what you needed, where it helped you crush a really tough scene or maybe even find something in Mia that you never would have been able to reach without them? Oh my gosh, that's, I mean, honestly, like that whole cast was so incredible. And like, like I, they just like, they carried me, like they lifted me throughout that whole film. And, and I don't know, it's, it's almost like every single scene I felt so held by all of them. And they like just created such a beautiful environment for me to go places. Or if I was feeling like, I remember we did this one scene, thing in the hospital when she does the hand, the to try and find Riley and I was I was so like uncertain about what I was doing and and they really just they were like so willing to be like no let's sit down like let's nut it out like let's just like take time and like go by ourselves and figure it out and like that to have people who are so willing to just do that for you is insane and they're so talented and I'm like literally obsessed with them I don't blame you. And it's it's a lot on your shoulders with this movie. I feel like it is just like it's always of the utmost importance to have an, a, a supportive ensemble around you. But like here in particular. So I'm very glad you were surrounded by the best. I'll, I'll ask you a similar question, but about Michael and Danny now. Is there anything about their approach to, you know, running a set and directing their actors that helped you exceed your own expectations for your work in a particular moment of the film? I mean, I think what's so wonderful about Danny and Michael is like, they're just so passionate about what they do and they they just love what they do. And, and that really injects you with a certain level of love and excitement and passion about what you're doing and and in some ways like it felt like a team sport like they were like kind of like coaches and like they would run a set that way and like you know they would they were so great at curating like if you needed a quiet space and you needed like a quiet set like curating that sort of environment but then as soon as they called cut like they would run up to you and pick you up and like run you through the room and scream how proud of you they were and and yeah i don't know i think just to have someone who's so willing to just cheer you on 
and and yeah allow you to do the best work you can possibly do is is like yeah insane best quality to have in leaders on set i'll squeeze in one more production question here because i always love asking about like the unexpected magic that you can find in the moment so of all the scenes in the movie which one would you say changed most from script to screen where you only discovered something on set with your scene partners and you know maybe it made a scene even better than what you originally pictured oh my gosh that's such you know what probably probably the like montage scene I think because like we we were meant to have like a really long time to shoot that and we ended up only having I think 30 minutes to shoot the whole thing. Which I'm is sorry, insane. 30 minutes? Yeah, yeah, literally that whole montage scene. And I think because of that, it was just pandemonium. It was like full improv, like Aaron McCliskey, our DOP, was just like roaming around with a camera. Danny and Michael are just screaming at us to do things. Like we're just like, doing like a lot of improv and I think yeah it's something about like the spontaneity of that like you could never have anticipated what it was going to be that's incredible I I feel like this isn't just coming from me because I've spoken to many people who one love the movie but also think that that is one of the best scenes in it you you all shot one of the best scenes of 2023 in 30 minutes (laughs) what (laughs) yeah it was insane it was insane Okay, here's my next theory question. And I learned from the last one that I brought up. I'm not giving you my take. I want your take on this. Okay. It's the ending. I've had this debate many times and I love that I have this debate. So at the end, when Mia takes Riley out of the hospital, do you think that she sacrifices herself for him or does Jade arrive just in time and push her into traffic? I actually know what it is because it was in the script. And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say what it is, but I know like there is like a definite answer to that. Okay. I'll take that. (laughs) I feel, I feel like we're going to, we're going to revisit this. We're going to revisit a ladies night for one of your future projects. And like every single time I talk to you, I'm like, are you ready? Are you ready to tell me this now? (laughs) (laughs) One day, one day it will be revealed. All right. I I will, I will wait patiently and, and genuinely in the meantime, I love the fact that there are multiple interpretations and that even I've caught my read on the scene changing, depending on like where my head is at in that particular moment. So I love it. Here's a question that you might not be able to answer. Usually I ask these types of things in a in a like a more subtle, deft way, but I I just can't. I can't think of any other wording. So I'm just gonna ask it. Are you involved in the talk to me sequel? I don't I don't even know. You know? I just keep saying to Daddy and Michael, like, I'm gonna get such bad FOMO. Like, can I come be like a boom operator? Please. Like, I just need to be there in some capacity. I feel like um, whether it's focused on me or not, they could hide you in a scene like they did the the opening one or exactly. <laughs> I'm like, come on, guys. <laughs> Joe told me about that before anybody had posted like an Instagram photo of what you all looked for. And I spent like a stupid amount of time like rewatching the movie and trying to find you all. I'm fairly certain I found you. I feel like you're standing. I love how what. what with such clarity, I remember this. It's like right by the the sliding door before you go in. Okay. Yes, <laughs> the blue wig. Yes, you absolutely feel, nailed it. I feel, I feel, I feel better about myself now. Um, a big broad question about Talk to Me's success. 
Do you remember the point when it first hit you how successful the movie was going to be? Because I know a lot of you have said like you knew you were making something special, but I I feel like the level of success that this movie achieved is is really just something else, a significant achievement that not many movies out there wind up hitting. Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, probably like Sundance was like the most I think surreal moment for us all. Like we'd, yeah, again, like it's like to like to us, it was like we knew we'd made something incredible, but like it was an indie film that we shot in COVID in Adelaide, and we were like, yeah, maybe in Australia, like this might pop off and it it'll be sick. But I think it was kind of going to Sundance and and the sort of frenzy that happened at Sundance was also so unexpected, and I think it was just. You know, it was like when it was like A24 wants to buy it and we're like FaceTiming Jordan Peele and like all of this stuff was going on. We're like, what the hell? So I think, yeah, I think Sundance for us. There is no better feeling as a Sundance attendee than to see something that you know nothing about. And as you're watching it, you just know with certainty like that's special. It's not just going to be one of my favorite films of the festival, but that's going to go on to become one of my favorites of the year. So the memory of having that with Talk to Me is something I will cherish forever. Yeah. I mean, that's what we met, which I'm like, I, that's crazy. Serious. I like, re- I mean, really, because we we met then and then I covered the movie in a bunch of different places. I feel like it was it was a major defining factor of my 2023. And I, I appreciate being able to coast through the year with uh, with Talk To Me. Um, so now continuing on in your filmmaking journey for a moment, I have to touch on an upcoming project, which is also with A24. So I'm really excited about Baby Girl because it's with A24. Obviously, I love Nicole Kidman like everybody. And I'm also a really big fan of Helena's work. Two questions about that. Hopefully you can answer them. First, I was wondering, can you tease anything about the tone and style of that film? Are, are there any similarities to what Helena did with Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? Oh, I mean, I think like Helena definitely has a distinctive style. I mean, I think that this is quite different from Bodies, 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 just in terms of like the kind of content itself. Um, so I think it's, yeah, like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies felt very young and like vibrant, whereas this feels like a slightly more serious, more adult kind of film especially thematically so I think it's definitely got Helena's kind of touch to it but it definitely feels like something else the best balance right there give give people more of what they already know they love but also just expand the toolkit do some more um the other question I had for you was I was reading in another interview uh you're a big Nicole Kidman fan pretty sure you referred to her as your queen which very appropriate I very much understand that when you go into working with someone with those kinds of expectations, I'm always curious, what is something about how she operates as a scene partner or how she carries herself on set that wound up surprising you? Oh my gosh. I mean, she's just, it's like such a masterclass watching her, but I think honestly, like her just generosity and her kindness and her love is like yeah, I mean, you always hope you always hope that when you meet your idols, and I think for that to actually be the reality of the situation is is incredible. Like she's such a giving actor, but such a giving person as well. And like I like I adore her. Like I'm like a little bit obsessed with her. <laughs> I I don't blame you. And really, one of my absolute favorite things to hear about is when you know the biggest stars in this industry with the biggest platforms are. are- 
kind people that, you know, make make people feel comfortable, safe and supported on a film set, which can be a very scary place. So that makes me very happy. Yeah. (laughs) All right. My final ladies night question. I've been asking this question to end my interviews a lot lately because I love it. It tends to make people uncomfortable, but I don't care because I think it's an important thing to think about. (laughs) So in this industry, you well know now, we, we like to give each other awards and that is wonderful and important, but I find that nobody tells themselves good job nearly enough. So I wanna know something you accomplish and talk to me that you know you'll be able to look back on and say to yourself, damn, I am so proud of what I did there. Oh my gosh, something I did in talk to me. You know what, like leading a movie? That's kind of crazy. <laughs> and I did it and I didn't, and, and it wasn't a disaster. Uh, and I made it through. So I think that that's, that's good. You should take that very seriously. Again, every single element of that production is wildly impressive. You are the anchor to that movie. And it really is a performance that's something else and is clearly being honored as it should right now. So I'm going to let you go and say congratulations on Talk To Me. Congratulations on everything you've accomplished in the past. And I cannot wait to see what lies ahead for you in the future. Sophie, congratulations. Of course. Thank you. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.